My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast... Misdiagnosis is the third leading cause of death in America. I won't say modern medicine is the third leading cause, but modern medicine's misdiagnosis kills more people than morbid obesity and diabetes combined. What drove me crazy about my previous career was that I wasn't allowed to have any contact with the patient or any contact with the treating physician. So even if I saw life-threatening drug interactions, I couldn't pick up the phone call. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. I don't think it's any secret, especially for those of you who have read my cookbook, that I guzzle extra virgin olive oil. I use it in like everything. Not only is it a myth that you're not supposed to cook with olive oil because extra virgin olive oil actually has a bunch of flavanols and polyphenols in it that allow it to be pretty heat stable even for things like sauteing baking broiling etc but the health benefits of this stuff i mean as far as like lowering risk of heart disease helping prevent type 2 diabetes certain types of cancer high blood pressure alzheimer's disease obesity i mean it's basically zero carb low carb ketogenic friendly to a paleo lifestyle, a cornerstone of the longevity-enhancing Mediterranean diet. And as any chef will tell you, that's where the flavor's at. And a really good extra virgin olive oil has amazing flavor. The problem with the ones that you buy at the grocery store is they're not fresh, right? After six months, the polyphenols and antioxidants and olive oil start to degrade. And if you actually look at the bottle label at the grocery store of the olive oil that you're probably buying right now, it's older than six months. It's in plastic. It's not in like that dark glass container. And if they're already older than six months at the time that you buy them, that means they've sat in storage, then in shipping, then in a warehouse, then on store shelves, even years growing stale and rancid before you even put them in your cart. And then a lot of them have extra bad oils added to them, particularly canola oil. So I go straight to the source and get not only the world's most delicious artisanal olive oil, but real fresh, the real stuff, extra virgin olive oil. I get it from this company called the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I've been a member for, I think, almost 10 years now. I get three new bottles sent to me every quarter. They're hunted down by this guy who's been on my podcast twice, TJ Robinson, the olive oil hunter, who also does vinegars now, by the way, that are amazing. I have a podcast coming out about that. If it's not already out, you're going to hear it pretty soon. But this stuff is the best olive oil I've ever used in my life, guilt-free. It's real. It's not cut with other stuff. It's not rancid. And it even comes with this cool like little booklet where you could read about the farm, where it was harvested, who grew it, what it tastes like, tasting notes, recipes to use it in. Better yet, they're going to give us all a bottle for a buck. One bottle of this olive oil for a dollar so you can taste the difference for yourself. Here is where you go for all of this. Getfresh38.com. That's like the number 38. Getfresh38.com. And that's everything you need to get this extra virgin olive oil for yourself. Um, it's one of the funnest clubs ever. So check it out. Extra virgin olive oil. That's real artisanal stuff straight from Olive Oil Hunter. TJ Robinson, my friend, one of the best guys out there in the olive oil industry. Getfresh38.com. Let's talk about brain fuel. You probably are familiar with the macronutrients, carbohydrates, and fat, and protein. But there's a fourth one, ketones. And ketones are powerful. They've been scientifically proven to support mental clarity, athletic performance, and metabolic health. They're 28% more efficient at generating energy than sugar alone, meaning you could do more 
with less. And this stuff called Ketone IQ, made by the good geniuses at HVMN, is the way to experience the magic of ketones without fasting or restricting carbohydrates. And it allows you to unlock some pretty key physical and cognitive benefits on demand. You drink this stuff, you don't get hungry. I had it yesterday when I was out snowboarding and didn't want to think about energy bars and curly cheese fries and hot chocolate. Just one ketone, boom, done. This stuff was created through a $6 million contract from the U.S. Department of Defense, deep partnerships, some of the top researchers in ketone science, truly cutting edge drink, and you get 20% off of it. You go to hvmn.me slash benji and use code benji20 for 20% off. That's hvmn.me forward slash benji and use code benji20 for 20% off of anything from hvmn. So one of the biggest issues when it comes to aging poorly is what's called senescent cell accumulation. Senescent cells are zombie cells. They stay in your body long after their functional lives. They waste your energy. They waste your cellular resources. And as you get older, accumulation of these senescent cells contributes to slower workout recovery, joint stiffness, joint discomfort, sluggish mental and physical energy we often associate with aging. It comes from senescent cells. But you can naturally eliminate them. There are what are called senolytic ingredients that are proven. Things like fisetin and piper longumin and synactive and other research-backed ingredients help to combat senescent cell accumulation. There's one formula out there. It's like a shotgun formula with all the stuff in it that prevents senescent cell accumulation. It's called senolytic. It's made by Qualia. So Qualia packs nine vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free senolytic ingredients into one formula to provide the most complex and complete senolytic support of any formula on the planet. They're given a 100-day money-back guarantee and 15% off if you do this. Go to neurohacker.com and use code SENOBEN, S-E-N-O-BEN. That's neurohacker.com and use code SENOBEN. That's going to give you dramatically better aging as you stave off the accumulation of these senolytic cells. So check it out. Neurohacker.com, use code SENOBEN on their senolytic formula. All right, folks, Gary Brecka. Here's Gary's extremely boring bio. He's a co-founder and chief biologist of something called 10X Health. You may have heard of it. The guy's blowing up all over the place because his protocols, particularly his superhuman protocol that we talk about on today's show, actually works. He has over 20 years of experience in biohacking and functional medicine. He's trained as a biologist, but he optimizes human performance through nutrition, evidence-based science, and innovative technologies, many of which we discuss in this show, like oxygen, red light, certain nutrients and supplements, movement protocols, quantification, and a whole lot more. He works with some of the world's top CEOs and executives, some of the world's top athletes, and his methods are unique. They're bound to the earth as well as science, and he does a great job. He's a man after my own heart. I recently had the chance to visit his home in Miami, spend a day with him. He's the real deal. So I hope you enjoy this show and all the show notes for everything Gary and I talk about are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Brecca, B-R-E-C-K, and at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Brecca. That's also where you can go to access the video as well as any of the resources that we discuss on today's show. So enjoy. Gary, I feel like we should probably warm up our voices for this show because whether we have I warmed up. How now, brown cow? How now, brown Peter cow? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Mm. The human torch. What's the human torch? The one? lazy goose leaped over the cow fence. <laughs> so, all right, folks, I'm here with Gary Brecka. 
We're finally doing it. We've spent, gosh, this morning so far has been fantastic. Oh, my God. I don't know if every morning for you has been, but let's, let's give folks the rundown just in case they're curious. Super biohacking morning. So, so for those of you who are not familiar with Gary or who didn't listen to my introduction to Gary uh, for this podcast, uh, he knows a lot about human biology, in particular how to harness a lot of the elements of things like air and, and light and water and electricity to optimize the body. And so uh, we began today with some beautiful breath work out in the sunshine. Amazing. That we, was great. We Led snorted, by yourself. snorted a little hoppe and then did, uh, mm-hmm. did, a, did a little uh, kind of like a pranayama-esque breath work session. You did some agasku stretching. Yeah. And we, we got time. We can go through your whole little morning routine because it's fantastic. Sure. Tell me about the agasku stretching, why you, why you start that off. It's uh, just a postural realignment, you know, pigeon-toeing the, the feet in mm-hmm. and then using some rear circles with your uh, with your delts to put some stress on the delts and kind of realign the traps and changes the kyphotic and lordotic curve in the spine, get the cerebrospinal fluid going, and then you'd use a... Uh, pursed hand pressed over top of your head, steering right at your middle fingers to just yeah. kind of stretch and get that cerebrospinal fluid going. I mean, the credit really goes to Agascu, not to me, and I use it every morning as a way to warm up for breath work or cool yeah, down. Yeah, we have a mutual friend, Brian. Uh, is it Brian? Is that his name? It's Brian Agascu. Can't remember his last, his last name. Sorry, Brian, if you're listening. But anyways, uh, I had discovered Agascu. When someone had mentioned it to me on a podcast, and there's a little five-minute video on YouTube, it's like five minutes to banish low back pain or something like that. And some of those moves we did out on your porch this exactly. morning. Exactly, I learned fantastic. them at a, uh, I, I went to a Tony Robbins event, and then afterwards I met Brian. Yeah. And Brian gave me just some simple realignment techniques to use on a daily basis, and I've used them every day since. Well, Brian taught my, my sons, my, my twin sons, how to do some of these exercises and we went to a Tony Robbins event in New Jersey, and where we're sitting out there, you know, with whatever fifty thousand people in the stadium, and and he asked if the Greenfield Boys can come up. You know, my my they were like nine years old, and they got up there on stage with all the flash bulbs in the arena, and that I still have a little video of it. They're up there on stage leading the whole arena through the Gosku exercises. Yeah, yeah. And Amazing. I still throw them. You know, I have I don't know about you, but I do little movement snacks throughout the day. I do I too. I believe in optimized. snacking on exercise. Yeah. I think that's just one of the greatest tools. Yeah, just to stay mentally clear and alert and physically focused. I say physically focused too because if you if you're not in physically good shape, or your body's tired, your mind's tired. Yeah. So snacking on exercise throughout the day is an amazing way to just keep a level of clean, clear, cognizant kind of waking energy sustained throughout the day. Yeah, and and even though we'll get into some of the sexy biohacking technologies, you've got you got some amazing tools sprinkled around your house that I think people will absolutely be intrigued with. What I appreciated about you, you and I haven't hung out so much, but what I appreciated about you was one of the very first things we did after the breath work was we went outside we mm-hmm. connected with with nature not just the technologies tell me about what your what your morning walk routine is like so right across from me and right right below the careful uh, everybody's gonna know where you live now yeah <laughs> <laughs> one thousand museum in miami but right across is a huge open air park it's got a dog park in the middle museums on either side and two-thirds of it surrounded by water so in the mornings i go out there take my shoes off and i and i do these squares around the park and I call it four corners. And at each corner, I just do a different basic exercise, some of which I learned from you this morning. But an air squat, a stretching move, push up, a static, um, you know, a static squat hold, plank, 
And at each one of those corners, it makes the walk go fast. It breaks it up. You're not crushing your body. It's a great way to wake up. I'm a big believer in earthing and grounding mm-hmm. because we actually discharge into the earth, right. as you Which know. Which you did. You slipped your shoes off. Took my shoes I didn't off. I have to, neener, neener, because I, right. I was wearing the cheating sandals, the, er, the earth runner sandals with the carbon. I'm in downtown in Miami, I so t- God I told knows. you, I'm in a strange city. I don't know where all the syringes and the condoms are. I, I, keep, I keep the feet shod. Yeah. But they, and I was telling you, they even make these straps now. They're, they're called earth, E-R-T-H-E. You put them on any existing tennis shoe, and they turn the shoe, a cross trainer, whatever, and they, they earth it. They ground it. I'm so all about that's, that. That's an option to go with. But you take your shoes off, and you walk around the park after that. I walk around the park and do some breath work at first light in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the, the sun comes right up over Miami beach, right off the horizon of that water. So I do breath work in the morning, I do that Agoscu method. Uh, usually I have a cup of black coffee or maybe with a little uh, fresh organic coconut powder. And then I do this thing I call four corners, which is go to the park, take my shoes mm-hmm. off and then walk the four corners of the park doing a different exercise at each location. Yeah. Yeah. Very simple. Um, you know, I take my shirt off, I get, I get natural sunlight. I do it. I've done it in the rain before too. I do it when it's cold. I just let, I don't let the weather dictate whether or not I do it because one of my core beliefs is that aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. Mm-hmm. And the more aggressively we pursue comfort, the faster we age, we just collapse all of our defense mechanisms. We could go into a whole podcast on that alone, but if it's raining, I do the same thing. If it's hot, I do the same thing. If it's cold, I do the same thing. I don't let the weather dictate whether or not I'm out there. I actually kind of prefer some of the real inclement weather because yeah. the park's by itself. I'll walk out there when it's wet, and I'll walk out there when it's dry. What does that mean? Uh, uh, I might derail you a few times here as we go through your, your morning routine, but when you say we de- derail our defense mechanisms, I assume you're talking about just not allowing ourselves to tap into hormetic stress or something like that. Hormetic what's, what's stress that mean being the you? big one, but you know, we, we have a tendency to believe that stress is very bad for the body, right? So we have to stop telling grandma not to go outside. It's too hot, not to go outside. It's too cold. Yeah. Just to lay down, just to relax, to eat at the first pang of hunger. Because as you know, when, if we don't load our bones, they don't strengthen. If we don't tear a muscle, it doesn't grow. If we don't challenge the immune system, it weakens. So in almost every case, you know, physical stress strengthens the body, but it also strengthens the mind. Yeah. I mean, sick, fat, tired people don't build empires, right? Yeah. And so it really begins in the body before it travels to the mind. Same thing yeah. with neurotransmitters and, and, and gut health. That, that gut-brain connection is very much the same as a physical brain connection. Yeah. And so I believe that healthy hormetic stresses, um, thermal stresses, um, uh, weight-bearing stresses are very good for the body. I mean, you want to live a long time, and I happen to have a core competency in, 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 lo- in the science of longevity and mortality. You know, lift heavy weight and stress the body on a regular basis. Yeah, you know, when you talk about your history in the science of mortality and longevity, and don't worry, we'll get back to some of the other cool things that we got up to this morning after the walk, but I, I, I would love to hear a little bit more about what got you interested in this. Because before I came to Miami, you and I talked on the phone, and I always thought you were just some biohacker who was interested in the body and, you know, eventually took all the things you learned and started to do with other people. But, but you had a very interesting start. You were in like 
insurance adjusting or something the, like that? A very specific area of insurance, um, which was the science and the predictability of mortality. It's called probabilistic mortality modeling. Okay. So you know, if we got five years of medical records on you and five years of demographic data, we could tell the insurance company how long you had to live to the month. You see, because the database... To the we, month. To the month. This wasn't like methylation clocks and Horvath aging and telomeres. This was just looking at epidemiological data. Epidemiological data, but with the one thing you have to remember that insurance companies have that no other clinical study has, no other medical enterprise has, no other published trial has, um, no medical enterprise of any type has, is that they know the day, the date, the time, the location, and the cause of death for everyone that they've issued an annuity a life insurance or, or a reinsurance um, policy on, even a reverse mortgage. Wow. You wouldn't believe the number of financial services products that are actually based on how many more months you have left on earth. And so when you have the endpoint, you can trace it back to causality. You see, in a clinical study, we know that, for example, obesity shortens your lifespan by X number of years. You know, type 2 diabetes shortens your lifespan by X number of years. This is all um, data that's used on actuarial tables. How do we put somebody on an actuarial table? But when you talk about specific mortality, they have tens of millions of deaths, and they trace that endpoint back to its causality. If this database could see the light of day, it would permanently change the face of humanity. It would upend modern medicine in a way that would absolutely be catastrophic. And that information is like private? The, the insurance companies are the polar opposite of Google and Facebook. They collect voluminous amounts of information, but they don't share it with anybody. They use it to price financial service products against you. I mean, think about it. If they're going to take out a $25 million or $50 million life insurance policy on your life. Like a, which, we're talking like a term life insurance policy. Um, we're usually talking about universal life policies okay. that, that are going to last until the day that you, that you die. Right. Okay. So they don't expire after 10 years or 20 and they're years. They're trying to predict when that date is going to occur so that they don't get stuck with the bill. Exactly. But if you think about it, they're taking 25 million or $50 million worth of risk on one variable. There's only a single variable that matters, and that's how many more months do you have left on Earth? How okay. many more months are they going to predict or that you're, they're going to collect that premium? Okay. And you're working for one of these companies? I was actually working for multiple companies. So we did life expectancies, and um, we did these probabilistic models to, uh, to basically take a portfolio of life insurance that yeah. one life insurance company is going to acquire. And and let them know if the mortality predictions were accurate or not. Okay. Because think about it. If, you're, um, if you put $25 million worth of risk on somebody's life and you don't ca- collect enough premiums to offset that risk because yeah. your mortality prediction was kind wrong. Of a shitty business model. It's kind of a really shitty yeah. business model. And if you want to know how accurate they are, just look at the last financial services crisis. We had 364 banks failed. Not a single life insurance company failed. Not one. Really? Not a single life insurance company failed. This is how accurate and well-reserved they are because they have perfected the science of mortality. So what'd you find out? If I was to boil my entire career down to one sentence, I say this all the time, it would be that the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. Presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. Yes. We didn't. We did not find a single disease etiological pathway that did not either have its roots in the absence of blood oxygen 
or was not severely exacerbated by the absence of blood oxygen. Can you give me an example? Um, hypoxia, you know, all cancer begins in a hypoxic environment. Um, type 2 diabetes begins in a That'd hypoxic like the environment. Warburg effect, cancer generating energy anaerobically, producing lactic acid, tissue acidosis. And then springing and then upon you to create that angiogenic effect okay. to eventually provide oxygen to grow a tumor, but the genesis of that tumor begins in hypoxia. Okay. I mean, how does cancer decide where it's going to metastasize to? It looks for a focal area of hypoxia and it sets up shop in that area. Okay. And if you look at anemia, sedentary lifestyle, these are leading causes of all cause mortality. Sitting is the new smoking. But why is sedentary lifestyle um, and why is sitting become the new smoking? Because sedentary lifestyle is a foundation for hypoxia. The less we move, the less we breathe, the more poorly we manage oxygen. Not only the faster we're accelerating towards the grave, but the faster the parabolic curve of all-cause mortality. So we could predict the onset of and the severity of disease based on your hypoxic condition. If you have anemia, for example, um, and it's non-responsive because you have the MTHFR gene mutation, you don't respond to folic acid, you only respond to methylfolate, for example, um, and you have a cardiovascular condition, atherosclerosis, arterial sclerosis, you can predict how much more quickly that will accelerate based on a normal table of atherosclerotic really? progression. Okay, and I know if I'm wondering this, other people might be also, but of course we seek out in some cases as health enthusiasts hypoxia, like you and I, when we were doing the breath workout on the porch, like we got to certain sections where we were blowing all of our air out and holding that for as long as possible. Or some people will do, I don't know if you've ever been in like a CVAC chamber, right? have, which, yep. which is hypoxic. Or I even do, like you do, exercise with oxygen therapy, mm -hmm. but I have a little switch on that, that therapy device I use that pulls me into hypoxia, gets my pulse O2 down like my blood oxygenation down and then it goes back up when once i get that surge of oxygen but you're not saying that all hypoxia is bad right no, it seems I'm like there's a kind of like a hormetic effect to having periods of time with low oxygen no systemic hypoxia is bad. okay long duration hypoxia is bad short-term exposure to hypoxic conditions or even altitude can actually improve oxygen transport if yeah. you look at the way that a healthy body responds to a hypoxic condition it increases erythropoiesis Right, so that increase in erythropoiesis offsets altitude. Okay, right? but if you weren't weren't offsetting that altitude, and you put yourself in a hypoxic environment, your body didn't offset that oxygen deficit, you would have severe long term consequences for that. Now, besides a hypoxic state, and this might be a loaded question, I don't know, uh, but I'm I'm sorry. Besides a sedentary state, like mm -hmm. you alluded to, with the sitting as the new smoking. What type of other factors have you identified that seem to be pretty associated with people being in this hypoxic state? Uh, anemic conditions, um, age-related sarcopenia that actually collapses the, the respiratory rate, the respiratory volume. Just muscle loss and muscle then the inability loss. to carry oxygen due to lack of muscle. Yes. Okay. L lack of, I mean, muscle is our metabolic currency. Yeah. I mean, there's a direct correlation between early onset disease and even early onset death and and your your muscle volume, the percentage of muscle that you have. I mean, muscle really is our metabolic currency. We're realizing now that muscle is more important in older ages 
yeah. than, than flexibility. I've been starting to pay attention to that Dr. Uh, uh, Gabriel Lyon, who right. does a lot of, she calls it muscle-centric medicine. I think she's writing a book about it. I, I'll have to get her on the I'm podcast I'm a big fan. I, I follow her on Instagram, yeah, too. Yeah, so, so sarcopenia or loss of muscle would be one thing associated with hypoxia. Anemia. Sedentary lifestyle. Anemia. And I assume by anemia, you don't just mean low iron, I don't but just mean low iron. like because there's that guy Morley Robbins now who talks about the iron copper ratios and the issue mm-hmm. with some people supplementing with iron and it causing things like hemochromatosis without adequate copper on board. So I assume it comes down to more than just like supplement with iron. Yes, it comes down. I mean, that's a broad category. Okay. I mean, there is a lot of people that we would find that had an anemic condition, low red blood cell, low hemoglobin, uh-huh. and they were non-responsive to therapy. So for example, take a, take a patient that has um, a homozygous MTHFR gene mutation. They're, they're poor folate metabolizers. These people don't respond to conventional therapies, folic acid, B12, and iron, which is normally what they would give somebody who's in an anemic condition. And so these become chronic. And now chronic anemia, if you look at the um, type 3 diabetes, one of the early links to Alzheimer's. In fact, in my 22-year career, I didn't see a single early onset Alzheimer's patient, not one, that did not have at least 10 years of elevated blood sugar prior to. And... This myth that people are losing their memory is not really true. Um, They're losing access to their memory. So it's not the memory that's actually fading. It's the access to the memory that's fading because neurosynaptic junctions get full of eventually amyloid plaques. Um, But that viscosity changes a long time before you actually have these issues with with memory which is why a more stable source of fuel like ketones or coconut oil etc can be very beneficial for alzheimer's or dementia because it's staving off the the diabetic condition in the brain you know what else i think insulin resistance in the brain and i don't know if you've thought about this much at all before but i think part of it in addition to the presence of too much carbohydrate and glucose in neural tissue it's also the lack of choline precursors that one gets from lots of healthy fats. There's a guy named Dwayne Goodenow who wrote a book called Breaking Alzheimer's. Mm. And that book goes into plasmalogen deficiencies, plasmalogen being these tiny uh, fat-based molecules that he has found are heavily associated with onset of this type 3 diabetes. Turns out that the main precursor for plasmalogens is the type of choline that we'd find in uh, eating a lot of grass-fed beef or walnuts and and other seeds Mm -hmm. and nuts and avocados and olive oil and all these things we know are healthy for the brain. So it's kind of like that one-two combo of sugar excesses and plasmalogen deficiencies that seems to result in this type 3 diabetes onset. No question. And, And so back to the oxygen piece. So we got a sedentary lifestyle. We got sarcopenia. We have some form of anemia. Not necessarily everybody needs to go rush out and buy iron, but something related to MTHFR or iron copper. or, mm-hmm. or you know, That's why I put raw liver in my smoothie every morning, which I'm going to get you on the bandwagon for. I'm, I, I made, I'm not quite there I, I yet. I made you but... a smoothie this morning. <laughs> I we'll, feel pretty good right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to the smoothie eventually because we got back from the walk, and then we eventually got to that. Uh, but what, what other biggies, while we're talking about the reasons for hypoxia, do you think you could recognize as the main ones for people to think about if there's any others? Poor methylation, um, poor, okay. poor, um, poor use of uh, mitochondrial nitric oxide and oxygen at the mitochondrial level. Okay. And if you look at uh, older ages and respiratory volumes, 
Um, you know, one of the things that we would look at is the, how well they ambulated. So if you take a patient that had, um, we had what was called morbidities and comorbidities. Okay. So if you had a certain disease condition, if you had type two diabetes and, uh, you would get a diet, you would get a debit. If you were morbidly obese, you would get a debit. If you were hypertensive, you would get a debit. Um, but if you put all of these debits into the same body, it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one plus one plus one equals 10. And so we realized that the presence of oxygen was the absence of disease and that the deficiency in oxygen was the presence of a lot of diseases, not only the onset of, but the severity of disease. And towards the tail end of my career, we started to delve deep into methylation pathways. And I think that methylation is one of the most overlooked areas in all of modern medicine because it doesn't assume that what goes into your body and goes into mine and goes into everyone listening to this podcast is treated exactly the same. Yeah. Right. That's the biggest fallacy in modern, modern medicine. If I was going to come to you, how would you test me for methylation? Is this like one of those salivary genetic tests? It's a salivary genetic test, methyl detox profile. Um, okay. You can get way down the rabbit hole of methylation. Uh, so what I prefer to do is look at the big five genes of uh, actionable genes of methylation because it's no use looking at genes where you can't supplement for their deficiency, right? So you know the actual, uh, w would this be the alleles that you're looking at? The, the, for, the, the genes the gene? and their suballeles. So for okay. example, MTHFR has two big alleles, C677T, A1298C. Those are the big known ones. Okay. Um, but you look at people that have homozygous breaks, meaning both parents gave them the gene mutation. Okay. And depending on where that allele is, they have a predictable deficiency. And it's that deficiency that leads to some of the most common conditions that we accept as a consequence of aging. I mean, most people listening to this podcast are walking around right now somewhere between 55 and 60% of their true state of normal. And what, what I mean when I say that is, if they haven't looked at their own methylation pathways, if they're not supplementing for certain deficiencies, I'm not a huge believer in just supplementing for the sake of supplementing. I believe that we supplement for deficiency in the human body, and when we do, magnificent things happen. You know, the majority of disease that we believe is genetically inherited disease doesn't have a genetic link at all. The majority of, of disease that's passed from generation to generation, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, hypercholesterolemia, um, hypothyroidism, depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD, these conditions that run in families do not have a gene directly associated with that deficiency. Okay. What they have is a methylation pathway deficiency. Okay. And so what this means is they can't, refine a certain raw material. They can't turn folic acid into methylfolate. Now they have a deficiency in methylfolate. They can't, Which is why if you're having like a multivitamin or a cereal fortified with folic acid, it could oh, be doing you more harm than good. The worst thing, I mean, most people don't even realize that folic acid is an entirely man-made chemical, right? I mean, you can't find folic acid anywhere on the surface of the yeah. earth. It doesn't occur anywhere naturally in nature. Neither does, you know, the most common form of B12, right? Cyanocobalamin hydrogen cyanide based B12. You know, three forms of B12 occur naturally in nature, the adenosyl, the hydroxy, and the methyl. But the cyano, the cyanide based form, um, which generally comes from human sewage, um, from the uh, sludge from human sewage, when you bind hydrogen cyanide to the cobalt metal and create a B12 molecule, 
the body not only doesn't recognize that, but has to convert it into a natural form of B12 to even use it. So a lot of times our supplements, because we use something called single dose toxicity in the United States, we're one of the few civilized nations in the world that uses single dose toxicity, right? Which means that if I give you something in a capsule or a pill and there is some arsenic in there or there's some hydrogen cyanide in there or there's some other toxic chemical in there, as long as it doesn't have an effect on you in that dose, then it's safe to give it to you. But we don't take into account cumulative dose toxicity, right? Nobody gets mercury poisoning from one sushi meal. Yeah, we don't test what happens over time is what you're saying. We don't test what happens over time. By the way, did you say that B12, one of the synthetic forms of it, is constituted from human sludge, like waste Human matter? sewage, yeah. So what do you that, mean? So when we process human sewage, uh, there's a foamy yellow substance that they discard, um, and it's called sludge. And that sludge is, is almost purely hydrogen uh, cyanide. And so we can take that sludge, not, not we, certainly not me, but you can take that, that sludge, you can dry it into a powder, you bind it to the cobalt metal, which all B12 is cobalt metal. Um, you bind it to the cobalt metal, and now you have cyanocobalamin, cyanide-based B12. Wow. And, I, and a lot of people say, oh, Gary, it doesn't matter, that dosage won't harm you, but it's, again, it's not the, or the dosage determines the poison. That's not true. The cumulative dosage determines the poison. If you're okay putting small amounts of mercury in your body every day, it won't be the small amounts that you put in every day. It will be the accumulation of okay. that heavy metal that causes okay, toxicity. So yeah, obviously we can talk about methylation alone for yeah. a couple of yeah, hours. Yeah, we can down I, the rabbit hole. I, I want to give people the, the big bird's eye overview of some of these issues related to, to hypoxia. Mm-hmm. So we talked about sedentary lifestyle. We talked about sarcopenia. We talked about the, the methylation issues and anemia related issues. One thing I've noticed that you're also very keen on is light exposure. Is there a yes. link between light exposure and, and a hypoxic state? Well, there's not a direct link between um, light exposure and a hypoxic state, but most people don't wake themselves up in the morning. They use stimulants to wake themselves up instead of waking naturally. Yeah. So, you know, about first light, I'm not teaching you anything that you don't know, but that first 45 minutes of the day is very special blue light, not like the blue light that comes from your phone. Yeah. Um, there's no UVA, there's no UVB. You can't look straight at the sun, but you can absorb those rays. You still create cholecalciferol, right? You still actually will generate vitamin D3 in the morning from morning light, but you don't have the Really, you can rays. still generate cholecalciferol even when it's kind of like red-ish outside? Oh, you can still generate cholecalciferol on the cloudiest of days. You don't need much sunlight to generate vitamin D3. A lot of people say you got to go out between like 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. to really get vitamin D, but you can the, actually get it in the yeah, morning. Yeah, to get the highest IUs per yeah. time spent, yeah. but that's patently false. I mean, you generate cholecalciferol even through diffuse light that's passing through windows yeah. on a very, very, you know, uh, on a much more conservative basis. And then obviously it also depends on pigment of the skin. I mean, one of the reasons why we heard in, that COVID disproportionately affected minorities had nothing to do with their minority status. It had to do with the pigment of their skin and clinical deficiencies in vitamin D3. Really? So insurance companies have been on this for years. I mean, if I saw a dark pigmented, um, you know, patient that was submitting for a life insurance policy that was clinically deficient in vitamin D3 had maintained this deficiency for a number of years, I would essentially extend that condition to being chronic. And so, you know, one of the second things we discovered in in the mortality space was not just that the 
presence of oxygen was the absence of disease. But the majority of conditions that people faced were what we called modifiable risk factors. I'm on the road right now. I was actually on a walk last night and I walked past one of these juicery places. And of course they sell these, you know, super expensive high-end cold pressed juices, but man, are they expensive. But back in my bag, I've just got one little canister of super easy to travel with powder that does all the same stuff with me. And I could literally have a juice every day for two weeks of travel. And it would cost me about the same as one juice at one of these juiceries. The other cool thing is I don't have to worry about the sugar, like the 18 apples and three bananas that they pack into those juices at the average juicery. Instead, the stuff that I use has less than three grams of sugar per serving. It's also glyphosate-free, full organic, free of fillers, and uses the highest quality plant-based ingredients in powders like green, red, gold, you name it. Very, very great tasting as well. It's a superfood blend that you just mix with water or your favorite beverage while you're on the go. So you can basically be like eating salads all day without actually eating salads. You can get 20% off of this stuff. It's made by Organifi, who also strive to keep prices as low as possible on this stuff to make it easy on your pocketbook. Organifi.com slash Ben. That's Organifi with an I dot com slash Ben. And if you go to Organifi.com slash Ben, they'll give you 20 percent off of your first order at Organifi. Save yourself some money and get yourself some veg in a very super concentrated format. Check them out. Organifi.com slash Ben. I've worked to achieve many things in life, but my greatest yet most humbling work, I think, has been with my role as a father. Parenting is blissful. It's brutal. It's far beyond anything I ever could have anticipated. My sons are now teenagers. And the people around us who engage with them often ask if I could write a book on raising children and education and legacy and discipline and all this stuff that goes into raising a good child, a good human. Now, I didn't feel that qualified to write a parenting guide. So I gathered a team of parenting superstars, dozens of my friends, entrepreneurs, authors, neurologists, psychologists, family coaches, a whole lot more. I got all their best tools, techniques, perspectives, habits on, again, everything from education to discipline to travel to rites of passage and beyond. And I put it all in one massive book that's like the guide to parenting. So it's now available. It's at BoundlessParentingBook.com, and that's where you can pre-order your copy today. So BoundlessParentingBook.com, it has been an absolute adventure putting this thing together. I think you're going to love it. What drove me crazy about my previous career was that I wasn't allowed to have any contact with the patient or any contact with the treating physician. So even if I saw life-threatening drug interactions, I couldn't pick up the phone. Your hands are tied. You're just sitting there knowing all these issues and seeing the big picture that all these people who are dying early Mm -hmm. are hypoxic. And you, at that, at that point, were you trained in biology? And I was a human biologist. Okay, so you, yeah, you I mean, knew all this out stuff. Out of grad school. But you were just handcuffed. All you could do was look at the data and you could do anything about it. And even, you know, I, I, I made more than one trip to human resources to say, I need to call this patient. Yeah. Um, because they've been misdiagnosed or they're about to take a contraindicated medication that's going to cause a thrombolytic event. Um, okay. And, you know, I was threatened with prosecution. If I had contacted that Jeez. patient, they said, we'll not only fire you, we'll prosecute you. Yeah. Um, and I understand because I'm not licensed to practice medicine. So they didn't want some, you know, human biologist sitting in a room looking at 
medical yeah. data, but I promise you if I had called their doctor or called that patient and said, hey, stop taking the corticosteroid, start taking some vitamin D3, and I think you'd, you'll see that your joint pain goes away because um, there's a perfect example of what I'm talking about with deficiencies leading to conditions people don't have. Um, you know, misdiagnosis is the third leading cause of death in America. Uh, I won't say modern medicine is the third leading cause, but modern medicine's misdiagnosis uh, kills more people than morbid obesity and diabetes combined. And it's third only to cancer and cardiovascular disease, right? So misdiagnosis kills more people with the exception of cardiovascular disease and cancer. And what happens- I assume you're not talking about somebody operating on your left leg instead of your right leg because it's labeled mm-hmm. improperly. What, what would be an example of a misdiagnosis? That would um, be that take, a, take a patient that has a severe deficiency in vitamin D3, for okay. example. If you clinically deplete that nutrient from the human body for a decade or longer, that person will present with rheumatoid arthritis-like symptoms. Okay. Their history will read exactly parallel to rheumatoid arthritis. So more than... Hundreds of times I saw patients with long-term clinical deficiencies in D3 go into the primary care physician and they would say, look, doc, you know, the soles of my feet, my ankles are sore when I get out of bed in the morning. My hips are stiff every day. My knees have, have been hurting for the last two and a half years. It's steadily increased. I mean, recently it's hard for me to make a fist. And, and then doc goes, you know what? You've got rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit you with some high-dose prednisone. I'm going to put you on what's called a corticosteroid. Um, and you're just going to take these orally for the rest of your life and you're going to be fine. Well, we knew in the insurance space because we had mortality data that you, if you started corticosteroids, you had six years and one day until you're having a joint replacement. It was so accurate, Ben, that we would, if you were a 60 year old female misdiagnosed with rheumatoid that you didn't have because you had a deficiency in D3, I would advance your age six years and one day. I would schedule your joint replacement, and then I would begin to reduce what was called your ambulatory profile, how well you ambulated. As I reduce motility, mobility, I can actually bring in all the diseases that exacerbate with a reduction in mobility. So now you can predict the onset of and the severity of disease. And now this person has been diagnosed with a condition they don't have, put on a medication they didn't need, which caused them to have a joint replacement that wasn't required. That reduced their ambulation and it brought all cause mortality closer from the future yeah so now they were dying of conditions they never should have had because they had surgeries that they never needed from medication that was never required from a diagnosis that was based on their history that's interesting back to muscle centric medicine this this is a study that i saw a couple of months ago i don't recall what journal it was in but it was highlighting a lot of the reasons for sarcopenia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, there, there are multiple in the you know, lack of, of lifting weights. And I, I think vitamin D may have been in there, et cetera. But the, the two biggies were low amounts of bioavailable protein. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, and this, this one really leapt out to me. I was like, huh, I never really thought about it that way, but it is interesting. It was gradual loss of muscle and fitness due to periods of immobility related to surgery, medical treatments, or injuries. Mm-hmm. Meaning 
let's say that, that you're a nice, robust, like 30-year-old muscular gal or, or guy listening to this, and maybe five years from now you got to get a little surgery for, I don't know, a kidney issue, and maybe a, a colonoscopy puts you up for three or five days after that, and then maybe you break your leg. So all these things string together, and you have like these periods of time over, let's say, when you're 30 to 60 during any given year where you're just totally down and out for like 20 days, and those build up year after year after year. And it kind of makes sense intuitively, but until I saw it in this study in front of me, I'm like, oh, periods of inactivity related to medical issues are in addition so, to low bioavailable so protein the number one cause for sarcopenia that's why all the you know all the great biohackers talk about consistency over time yeah it's consistency right? it is keeping yourself just, in the game which which is that, that it's huge versus doing the you know marathon workout on, on the weekends or whatever now i want to learn a little bit more because i'm intrigued about where you got to where you're at now with this mm-hmm. this whole 10x health and i you're, you're probably aware of this you're kind of blown up like I, i've been seeing you yeah. all over the place so what you're doing is obviously working or you're paying the right people the right amounts of money. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, and, and so the question I have for you though, kind of like back to the science of the hypoxia thing and back to the light and, and what you were explaining about with the light, the importance of first light, the importance mm-hmm. of natural spectrum sunlight. <clears throat> if you would have walked into my room this morning, I'm increasingly becoming like this. Like a, I'm like a red light addict, mm. right? So, oh, so am I. I travel with a red light headlamp and that's the only way I use to get around the house during the day mm. uh, or during the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all red light plus my red light glasses, right? So my body's just basically bathed in sunrise. Even if I'm at a hotel or I got to walk down to the lobby to get a coffee or whatever, it's all red light for like the first hour of the day before I hit the big lights, you know, because typically I'm up around five or so. So my reasoning is until the sun actually comes up. I want to keep fooling my body that we're in no sun or sunrise. Mm-hmm. And then I showed you that wraparound red light thing that I have. I forget the name. It's a, a Kineon is the name of the company that makes it. I wrap that around my neck, right? And this is in the first hour after I'm getting up. So all of the blood going through my neck and my carotid is getting blasted with red light. And then I have a little travel-based red light. Uh, people have probably seen, like, Juve makes one called the Go. I have one that Dr. John Lawrence gave me last week that's got a little red. And so it basically is like putting the sunrise on in your bedroom. And so I'm all red light for that mm-hmm. first hour of the day. Now, these are all technologies. We'll talk more about some of the cool technology up here, like some full yeah, red I'm light. I'm a huge beds. fan of but, those technologies. So for this concept of first light, do you think that there's – an advantage to that, that I'm still getting benefit from that versus what we did this morning and going out in full spectrum sunlight and sitting on your balcony. Do you use these red light devices when you first wake up? I do. I, you know, I do the first light. I do the walk in the morning and I, I believe in doing uh, weights when I'm fed. Okay. So uh, I usually do weight workouts later in when the afternoon, fed, which we're going to go do after this. We'll be, yes. we'll be crushing yes, the weights. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to go crush yeah. it. Um, but then I get back and I do uh, what's called the superhuman protocol, which is essentially taking all of the good things from the outside and bringing it in. I believe we get three major things from Mother Nature. We get okay. magnetism, we get oxygen, we get light. Magnetism, oxygen, and light. Those are the three okay. big things we get from Mother Nature. And the further we get away from those three things, the faster the onset of all-cause mortality. It kind of begs the question real quick. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. But when you say magnetism, oxygen, and light, and you found in these insurance actuarials that hypoxia 
was one of the big issues associated with mortality. Mm-hmm. Do you think that magnetism and light should have been on that list as well, or are magnetism and light kind of like the precursors to oxygenation? They're, they're precursors to oxygenation because if you think about how oxygen's transported in the body and then the delivery system, not only just to the cell wall, but into the mitochondria, which actually occurs more through the water, mitochondrial water, than it does through direct oxygen entering the, the mitochondria. But, but if you look at the degradation of the oxidative state of the body, right, a lot of this has to do with charge. Okay, so let's get technical for a second. So if you look at a red blood cell, and we're going to do some dark field microscopy here after, after this. If you look at a red blood cell, and the, the surface of that cell has a charge. And just like a magnet, if, if two cells have similar charges, they repel. If they have opposite charges, they attract. It's a, you know, pH stands for potential hydrogen. This is a charge, Right? That's why it's a complete fallacy that we can get alkaline from drinking alkaline water. We get alkaline by changing the charge of the body through low Gauss current, through grounding, through earthing. I mean, discharging into the earth or discharging through a PEMF mat, low Gauss PEMF mat, is the safest and the most natural and the fastest way to alkalize, repolarize the charge of the cellular structures in the body. I never really thought about it. So you're, you're basically making the case that alkalization is synonymous with or linked to repolarization no question it's linked to potential hydrogen that's ph the scale of ph is based on the potential of hydrogen so what this means is let's say you have a group of red blood cells and they're all hanging out in the bloodstream together and they have similar charges and they will repel they'll slide around like like um hard-boiled eggs and protons are positive charge like protons of the positive charge. So what happens is um, you have a lot more surface area now for that cell to take in nutrients, to expel nutrients, to have oxygen from the, uh, from the serum of the blood enter, enter a cell. So for, a, for cells to shuttle oxygen through the bloodstream, they need to have more surface area. To increase the surface area, you need to increase, create cellular separation. To create separation, you need to have the right charge. And a higher pH, meaning higher potential hydrogen, more of these protons pushing each other apart, expanding the cell. Right. Or else they start to clump up. Yeah. And everywhere they touch, you lose that surface area twice. You lose it on the cell or you lose it on either cell that's touching. Now, what happens when these cells start to travel around the bloodstream in clumps? I'm not talking about coagulated blood. I'm talking about coalesced red blood cells. So now you have these because they haven't done earthing or grounding or red light or a PMF and they've been traveling and they live in a condo like I do on the 27th floor and they fly three days a week and they'll get a lot of ecstatic electricity. They're, they're, they're wearing two inch thick sole, rubber soled shoes. So there's no discharge going on. So now if you look at this blood, you'll see that the red blood cells are kind of all clumped up and stuck together like too many cars trying to you take You see this that through medicine. these microscopes you have sitting right over here. Yes, and you're, and he's right not there. joking folks. His whole condo is like littered with these microscopes and crazy. Yeah. I love like, this Half, half lab, half biohacking condo. <laughs> so, you, so you could see this. I made my cameraman do it last week. I, yeah. I, I, I actually pricked his yeah. finger, put the blood on there, and you could see, because the, the microscope's looking down through the blood, you could see all the blood kind of stacked up and clumped together. Now, you lay on a PEMF mat and take your blood five minutes after getting off a PEMF mat. Just yeah. do a 20-minute low-gauss session, and you'll see that all the red blood cells have separated. Now I have more surface area for oxygen, and that's why I do EWOT, exercise with oxygen therapy, after getting on a PMF mat. Alkaline, 
That's why. First. I was wondering about the order because we, we slept on PMF mats last night. You're one of the yep. few guys who have hung out with who actually has a PMF mat under their bed. Your, your brand's and different than mine. And in my guest mine. bed. I, I, you were, and, you and, got used to it last night, And in your too. guest bed, which was amazing. And, and by the way, I just realized, for those of you listening, I didn't yet tell you where the show notes are. We'll have a video of all this stuff, but it's bengreenfieldlife.com slash Brecca. That's Gary's last name, B-R-E-C-K-A, bengreenfieldlife.com slash Brecca. So by utilizing the PMF, and of course, by going outside barefoot, like we mm-hmm. did today with the earthing and the grounding, mm-hmm. we're reducing the amount of clumping by allowing for popular popular uh, depolarization of the cells and that then allows for better oxygen flow and a more alkaline state and would that theoretically be something that is accelerated by exposure to light photons or is that something that allows the light photons to kind of like charge up the mitochondria better? allows the light photons to charge up the mitochondria okay. so remember i said we get three things from mother nature magnetism oxygen and light we get magnetism from the earth yeah. Earthing, grounding, it's a very real thing. Yeah, or PMF is bad. I like to think of it as like earthing on steroids. Yes, right? it's earthing yeah. on steroids. And okay. and if you live in a condo or you spend a lot of time on a plane, you have to have a PMF. Right? Yeah. Um, so you get magnetism from the earth, which actually creates alkalinity. And then you you move to this EWAT, um, exercise with oxygen therapy. So we use 95% O2 under mild oxygen. Um, just what you did this morning, three-minute cycle with a 30-second sprint. This will raise not only your um, partial pressure, you know, essentially the volume of oxygen in the bloodstream, but it will also, your SpO2, this will also raise um, your pulse oxygen, the amount of oxygen in the red blood cell. And now once you flood the blood with oxygen, then under mild exercise, because we want to create an oxygen demand, then you lay in a red light therapy bed. So it's PMF. Then the exercise with oxygen therapy or some type of oxygen protocol, then it's red light. Then that's the gold light. standard. Mm-hmm. That's, the that's one, why we two, call three. it superhuman. That's I'm going to repeat two, that one more time for people. That is basically, if you take nothing else from this interview, this is Gary's superhuman protocol. PMF, and if you don't have access to that, earthing or grounding. And then it, let's say you don't have exercise with oxygen therapy, you could at least do breath, like work. breath work. Yes. Anything that's going to introduce more oxygen to the body. We'll mm-hmm. talk about EWOT a little bit more here briefly. And then you finish that up with red light or sunlight. Take your shirt off and get outside. And if you're totally free, if you like a, you don't, you don't have the money or you don't have all the fancy biohacking equipment and you're listening in, you could literally go outside barefoot or lay on your back outside. Mm-hmm. And then you could do breath work in that same scenario, do a breath work walk and be doing that in the sunlight or finish up with red light and that one, two, three protocol. If somebody could do that every day, they'd feel better. Oh my God, they would feel so much better. And then the biohacks stack that and concentrate it and make it more effective. Exactly. I mean, you okay. stack it with that equipment. One of the reasons why, you know, I, I started uh, a wellness franchise seven years ago with my fiance when I left the, the mortality space. It was called Streamline Medical Group. Um, we ended up treating a patient named Grant Cardone. and Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone. Okay. And Grant Cardone had such an astounding response to the therapeutic protocol we put him on that he um, and his partner, Brandon, decided to acquire us September of last year. And we became 10X Health. And so now we're 10X Health. And the idea is to take expensive modalities like, you know, that equipment's 150 grand. I mean, I don't expect anyone to put $150,000 with equipment in their house. Um, You'd be surprised. You ought to meet some of the people listening to this podcast. Okay. So, if you, <laughs> but anyway. um, so go to at Gary Brecca <laughs> on my Instagram and I'll, and I'll be happy to sell you the equipment. But the idea is, you know, if I really wanted to touch the face of humanity, really, really make an impact on mankind, it's got to be available to everybody at a reasonable 
price. So we're putting a thousand of these clinics around the country, 20 in every state. Um, and essentially, you know, Grant Cardone has helped to bankroll that and Brandon Dawson's helped to build a foundation for it for us to scale so that there'll be 20 of these locations in every state. People can come in and use it for a, a monthly fee instead of, you know, paying to have the equipment in their house. Yeah. So that's the whole, it was the whole idea behind 10X Health and, and that combined with blood testing combined with genetic testing, which I'm a huge fan of. There's lots of great genetic tests out there. We do one through cell science systems. It looks at the five actionable genes and the sub alleles. Um, you can get 85% of the people, 90% of, uh, you know, to their destination yeah. of optimal health. That's just what I was telling you on our walk. I like to cut through the genetic confusion. Yeah, I, I, use, I use one called Strategene by Dr. Ben Lynch. It identifies the nine so-called dirty genes, yes. like the nitric oxide pathways, methylation pathways, histamine processing pathways, et cetera. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't need to know whether they have propensity for brown eyes or blue eyes. Exactly, or, or like or detached they, you detached lobes. I mean, actionable data. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so you're doing, you're doing quantification as well on a pretty robust level. If someone were to come to you and work with you or someone to go to one of these new 10x health systems they're going through a whole battery of tests they're going to go through mainly two tests up front they're going to get 64 biomarkers looked at in the blood okay they're going to get five genetic markers looked at in the in their genes and the and the alleles um in those 64 biomarkers we're basically looking for hormone balance um glycemic control blood sugar control and nutrient deficiencies okay and then in the genetic test which is what i love so much because you do it once in your lifetime um, you know, it's your genes. They'll never change. So you don't have to guess at what you're deficient in. You can know what your body is incapable of methylating. Some people do better on certain forms of B12, B complexes, um, SAMEs and, and, um, uh, methylated folates, you know, five methylfolates. And it's astounding what happens to human beings when you just put the raw material back into their body so that it can do what it was designed to do. I mean, you know, MTHFR has been um, proven linked to all kinds of conditions that we just accept as a consequence of aging, ADD, ADHD, OCD, um, manic depression, bipolar, mood and, and emotional disorders. Um, wow. These neurotransmitters imbalances come very often from methylation. We take simple amino acids like tryptophan and, and phenylalanine, and we methylate these into neurotransmitters. And if we if methylation is broken, we have these deficiencies, mainly in our gut. But if you don't have serotonin in your gut, you can't have serotonin yeah. in your brain. Yeah. And so I, there's lots of books written on the gut-brain connection, but the gut-brain connection is a connection of methylation. And it's very simple to fix this. I mean, a lot of people are walking around, like I said, 55 or 60% of their true state of normal because they're guessing at what they need to supplement with. They have a COMP-T mutation, for example, catechol-O-methyltransferase. These people have one of two types of sleep patterns, Ben. They'll either lay down exhausted to go to bed and they can't fall asleep because their mind keeps them awake or they fall asleep and their mind wakes them up because it's important to understand, and I know that you know this, but the, we don't just create thought in our mind. We also dismantle thought, right? And it's just as important to be able to dismantle thought, degrade thought as it is to yeah. create it. If not, the mind gets clouded. We call this ADHD, right? There's attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is not an attention deficit at all. It's an attention overload. 
disorder. It's not that people that have ADD have an inability to pay attention. They have an inability to pay attention to so many things. Yeah. And so what if we could actually degrade thought at the same pace that we create thought? You'd stop hearing people say things like, I work well under pressure. Because when you say I work well under pressure, what you really mean is I lack the ability to set priorities internally. So I use external pressure to set my priorities. Yeah. And um, we would be able to lay down to go to sleep and our mind would quiet instead of waking up, right? Yeah. Because people that have a COMP-T gene mutation, this catechol-O-methyltransferase gene mutation. Yeah, the COMT. They don't degrade yeah. catecholamines. Right. And so they have this excitatory state in the mind, but the body's exhausted. Yeah. And so they have a hard time quieting their mind. And, and so if they put the right amino acid balance into the body, they find that they actually, the mind quiets. That's why I'm a huge fan of your um, amino yeah, I was, acids. I was going to say, it's just kind of funny because like a lot of what I do from a supplementation standpoint, it's probably, probably big three that come to my mind you're talking about right now is, is the essential amino acids. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a big cup of the, those Keon aminos before. I, I have one around here somewhere right so now. so great for the neurotransmitters for a lot of the methylation issues, like the yeah. shotgun approach. And then um, uh, raw liver, in mm -hmm. my smoothie every morning for Still the iron on copper ratio. Still Those, working dude, on that one. <laughs> you, what, I'll give you the recipe. I'll swear you're eating ice cream. It's amazing. Yeah. Once you get the right stuff in it. And then uh, the last one, and this is one that I think one reason you and I feel so good today that kind of amplifies a lot of the things we've been talking about when it comes to the light and the oxygen because it, it donates electrons to, yes. the, to the mitochondrial transport chain. It pairs very well with, if you have enough NAD in your system is methylene blue. Mm -hmm. So you and I took some oral methylene blue this morning and then charged up with a red light. Yes. And that stuff's fantastic. I think it pairs very well with what you're doing with this superhuman protocol. Oh, no question. I mean, in the superhuman protocol, you know, the magnetism, oxygen, and light, when you get in red light, certain wavelengths of red light, I mean, basically all wavelengths of light do the same thing. They just do it at different depths, right? So some are very good for collagen, elastin, fibrin in the skin. Others are good for circulation, microvascular circulation. Other wavelengths are good for inflammation. Um, probably the most therapeutic, in my opinion, is the 810 nanometers because that's um, generally considered the deepest depth of penetration. But what that wavelength does that's astounding is it passes through the mitochondrial wall it kicks out a gas called mitochondrial nitric oxide and forces oxygen to dock. And you know what happens in the mitochondria when you, when you allow oxygen to enter that cycle? You have a 16-fold increase in cellular energy. Jeez. So imagine if we had a 16-fold increase in cellular energy in 32 trillion cells. Imagine the level of waste elimination, repair, detoxification, regeneration. And this, these are simple things using red light to force oxygen into the mitochondria to upstage the mitochondria so it can eliminate waste, repair, detoxify, and regenerate. So when it comes to the testing that you do, you got these five genes that you'll test for. You've got the 64 blood markers. And then obviously the it's going to change from person to person, but do you have like a specific diet slash supplementation program that you find yourself referring to over and over again, as far as like the general broad-based diet it seems to work well for a lot of these people who have hypoxia related conditions? I do. I mean, a lot of it has to do with, um, lowering high glycemic carbohydrates, no, no, or shattering, um, you know, information there. Because yeah. if you look at, you know, you have to remember that our, the digestive tract is like a 30 foot long conveyor belt. 
And what you put on it at one end before it exits the opposite end is it exits the stomach and then makes its way to the rectum and exits the rectum. In that 30-foot-long span, the, the level of high glycemic carbohydrate is directly related to the amount of oxygen that is diverted to your gut. Remember, the amount of... The level of high glycemic carbohydrate intake is directly correlated to the amount of oxygen that your gut needs, meaning the more sweet carbs you eat, the more oxygen gets diverted to your gut? No, no doubt. That's okay. exactly right. Interesting. So high glycemic meals require significantly more oxygen to digest. Really? And they will require more blood flow as well. So if you actually stood in front of a thermograph and you ate a very high glycemic meal versus, let's say, a purely ketogenic meal, you would see that your head, which is normally glowing red and orange, and there's an orange-red area around your heart, nice warm blood showing a concentration of blood around the heart and in the brain, you would see these areas begin to cool. You'd actually see them start to turn yellow and green because the amount of blood in the system is fixed. So it can't be here and be here at the same time. It can't be in the gut and be in the brain at the same time. So if you divert it with high glycemic carbohydrates, you will steal it from the brain. It has to borrow from somewhere. Yeah. Right. And so the simple truth is that you have to decide if, if that food's serving you or, or, or stealing from you. And so, um, I mean, try to eat a, uh, you know, a big bowl of pasta and, and, uh, some, you know, some half a loaf of bread and see how you feel after that meal. Yeah. Um, you know, the energy drain is because you have reduced the oxidative state. Right? Yeah. You become marginal. I, don't know, I usually just feel Italian after me. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just start speaking with an accent. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, m- 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 well, I don't know. Maybe you'd be able to survive it. Most people yeah. are exhausted. But yeah. It, so this is why, in general, I try to just avoid high glycemic foods. Um, and because you have to decide do you want energy or do you want taste and very yeah. often people are not, they don't look at food as service they don't look at a food item and say is this going to serve me or is this going to steal from me yeah and we let these thieves into our house and they do exactly what they're designed to do which is steal from you yeah and um and so this this type of eating also exacerbates hypoxic condition so people that have low blood oxygen to begin with will eat a high glycemic meal and then they'll crash so you tend to be more low carb a little bit like keto in yes. your approach from a dietary standpoint. Low carb, high healthy fat, no seed oils. I mean, very basic in my, in my opinion. I eat um, I eat a tremendous amount of coconut oil, olive oil, nuts, avocados. Yeah, I saw that. Even a beef tallow on yeah, your counter. Beef tallow, um, yeah, beef and, tallow. Uh, and I don't eat a lot of high glycemic fruits and high glycemic foods. Now, what about water? Is there a certain kind of water that would allow you to be more oxygenated or certain things you should pay attention to from a hydration standpoint? Yes. So I have um, a water filtration system. It's a hydrogen, hydrogenated water. Okay. Right. Because remember, if you have excess hydrogen, you actually can change polarity, right? You can change charge. Okay. So hydrogen water can alkalize you. Yeah. Alkaline water does not alkalize you, right? There's because not, there's not higher amounts of hydrogen in just alkaline water. Right. It's yeah. just passing over metal plate and, and, and using electrolysis to alkalize it, but there's not increased hydrogen content. That's right, because, and you think about it in chemistry, something cannot donate its properties and also maintain them. Yeah. So, so if it were true that alkaline water would transfer its properties, then it would, by design, become acidic if it gave up the properties that made it alkaline. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, you know, you can't have a glass of salt water and a glass of regular water and take the salt out of one and put it to the other and still have it in 
its origin, right? Yeah. So this is why you know the alkaline water theory falls apart. Super into homeopathy or something like that. Water <laughs> maintains the information. I feel that, like that's we're, a discussion. We're not getting day. too sciencey for yeah. these guys and putting yeah. them to sleep. And yeah. somebody, no, this but, is great. But the you know the, the the truth is that hydrogen water. I'm a huge fan of hydrogen water um, because you know it can it can donate properties and it improves emulsification and gut biome okay. and all kinds of things. Is it true that you could dissolve oxygen in water? Because like I've heard about that. I'm okay. like, eh, and, and, I'll and, tell you my experience okay. with it, which was pretty profound because the human biologist in me says no, yeah. right? I mean, if you take a, you know, if you pop a top off a of Perrier, you get the, you yeah. know, um, and then if you shake it up and keep doing it, pretty soon it's going to flatten out. So in theory, you know, suspending a gas in a liquid is long-term is not possible, but there is a type of water called caquin water or cocoon water. Um, Dr. Lyon's research is pretty cocoon water. What was the other thing called? Caquin? It's K-A-Q-U-N, but okay. it's pronounced cocoon, but it's K-A-Q-U-N. And um, there's actually one of these facilities, and they have baths full of this water in, in, um, in Vegas. And I went out to this facility, um, highly skeptical, although I had read Dr. Lyon's research and was uh, excited to go out and bathe in an oxygen tub that was perfused with oxygen through a patented method of suspending oxygen in water, linking oxygen molecules together, O2 linked to O2, linked to O2, linked to O2. And then theoretically, you know, the partial pressure of water on your, on your skin is 600 millimeters of mercury. The partial pressure in the veins about 140. So this gradient allows for oxygen. Like driving it through the gradient from high to low. Yes, Driving it from by being on. submerged in the water, being submerged in the water. Interesting. So when I got there, I said, "Okay, if this oxygen is moving from that water through my skin into my bloodstream, I should be able to measure it in a few ways, right? I should be able to measure my pulse oxygen. Yeah, should skyrocket. I should be able to measure my partial pressure, my SpO two, how much oxygen's in my bloodstream. I should see a reduction in my." blood pressure, both systolic and diastolic, should marginally come down. And my resting pulse should also fall. And I was skeptical that all of those things would happen. And without an exception, every single one of those metrics moved dramatically. That's crazy. And not drinking it. Not actually. drinking So you could technically like create some kind of like a water filtration system that puts this stuff in like bathtubs That's what he's done. or mm-hmm. hot tubs or even like cold pools or something like yes. that. Yes. And so you bathe in this. That's pretty I mean, interesting. Obviously for, for wounds, um, but I mean, there's some tremendous outcomes they've had with, with cancer patients, um, certainly with surface conditions, eczema, psoriasis, and, and, and wounds. Yeah. But um, the fact that I was able to measure an increase in my partial pressure while I got an increase in pulse oxygen, right? So the oxygen had to be coming from somewhere um, because I, when I was breathing, it wasn't moving. And, and then a reduction in my blood pressure and a significant drop in my pulse rate. My pulse rate went from resting Jeez. in the low 60s, 60, 60, 61, into the low 40s. Is this stuff available already, this ability to be able to bathe in this stuff? Yeah, you can bathe in it and you can go to Las Vegas okay. and bathe in right, this I'll, 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 I'll find yeah. links for you guys. Yeah. For me. You guys want to try a, this it's out. It's a cool spot. Okay, so... Yeah, I was telling you when we were walking, because we haven't spent a lot of time together. We've talked on the phone a few times. I finally flew in last night. We've hung out a little bit. I see that you practice what you preach. I'm Thank not you. just blowing smoke. I appreciate that. A lot of guys don't. They, they write the blogs and do the podcast, but they don't actually do it. 
you having such deep experience and having all these things that we've already tried today, I've, I don't know about you, I feel fantastic. I feel great, yeah. dude. I really yeah, they, do. I was yeah. saying that earlier, man. I yeah, feel I mean, we did, freaking amazing. We, we did the breath work and the methylene blue and the outside walk, but then we started to use some of your biohacking technologies. And so I want to ask you a few kind of like rapid fire questions based on this superhuman protocol, if that's cool. Yeah, fire so, so step one is we want to get polarization occurring properly and declumping the cells through some form of grounding or earthing or PMF. Yes. You talk about going outside barefoot. I talked about maybe putting some straps on the bottom of your shoes using those earth runners. Obviously, it's not rocket science to get outside and be in touch with the planet. Right. Now, when it comes to the technologies that you think work really well for PMF, what are some of your favorites for like um, uh, biohacking technologies? So my favorite is the Pure Wave. I've looked at a lot of different PMF technologies. I'm okay. not saying that other PMF technologies are not great. That's a mat. It's a mat. Okay. Um, so I, I like that one for um, because I, I measured the low Gauss current. And we actually did some uh, dark field testing of our own, and we actually found significant improvements in um, blood viscosity and also in the clumping of red okay. blood cells. And that's visible. Um, and then, um, you know, the, uh, the EWAT system exercise with oxygen therapy, I use a hypermax, um, which is essentially an oxygen concentrator with a timer on it. You turn the timer on it. Fills Wait, it actually, before we get to EWAT, I want to talk about that, but what about, hmm. so I've got this necklace on somewhere that you ah, gave me yeah. that makes PM. What about portable PMF? We, Cause a lot of people are going to travel with the mat. I travel yeah. a lot. I want PMF this when I travel. I, this one I like, and there's too. like lightweight grounding mass, but this thing's called a bubble. I'm this is the right bubble now. from like Syntropics. Yeah. This is the smallest PMF in okay. the world. Cause in the past, it's um, the flow. Flex Pulse by Dr. William Pollock. This thing's kind of cool. You're just hanging around your neck. Hanging around your neck. Seven hertz, and it's wow. creating a uh, pulse electromagnetic field all the time. Okay. So, so you don't have to wait till you're home. You can wear PMF, uh, and you can have that as a mat. You could obviously travel. Grounding and earthing mats. I don't know if you've traveled with those before, but they're pretty light. Yeah, they're very and, light. And I was going to tell you. PMF is pretty light, too. Yeah, so. one thing to think about is the alternating current frequencies that go through a lot of homes and condos like this. I'm a fan of using dirty electricity filters if you're going to use PMF or grounding yes. or earthing mats. I just think it's smart just so you reduce the amount of power surges. But mm -hmm. nonetheless, you said the power wave, this bubble thing, um, and then oh. grounding or earthing, grounding or earthing shoes, getting outside barefoot. And then you start talking about the EWAT. Tell me mm -hmm. about the protocol we did today and what all you use for, for exercise exercise with oxygen therapy. Right? Yes, EWOT. exercise okay. with oxygen therapy. And we do this with a lot of our professional athletes that we're trying to get to the next level. I'm working with a really? lot of athletes that are playing in the league right now that are dominating their game. Um, some of them are very public about their relationship with me. Some are not. But we are measuring their performance using magnetism, oxygen, and light, which is... NSF certified. It doesn't, uh, it's not considered performance enhancement. It's considered reparative, yeah. regenerative. And we're seeing incredible results with tissue repair, regeneration, um, um, protein synthesis, increase in protein synthesis and muscle repair, um, and performance, but not, you know, EWAT is a 10, 11 minute time frame where you're Went by super fast. Hyper and not drained afterwards, right. like after a big workout. Because you're energized. Too much oxygen over too long a period of time will actually drive red blood cell down, yeah. count down. And that's the opposite of what you want. But yeah. for a short period of time, it took you 10 and a half minutes to do it today. Right. It was three minutes. 
With three, three, three minutes sprint. was 30 seconds effort after mm-hmm. each, breathing pure oxygen. Yeah, breathing not pure oxygen, or 95% high oxygen. Or high this oxygen. And it's just like a little, you have an Aerodyne bike, you have a mask next to it. I'll, I'll put pictures for folks at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Brecca. Um, I told you, my, my protocol is kind of sexy too. Like I got the Vasper, which is a blood flow restriction. Right. And the grounding and the earthing because you're grounded to the to the plates on the Vasper and then the full body exercise. And I keep the Live O2 next to that because I got a switch. And so mm-hmm. during my recoveries, like the long periods, you go hypoxia. And then during the efforts, you go hyperoxia and flood the tissues with oxygen. That. And that's 21 minutes. I'm, I felt as though your 12-minute protocol beat me up a little less than the maybe I'm, I'm going too long with the Vasper protocol but nonetheless the the takeaway message here for people is it's high intensity interval training mm-hmm. with periods of time during that high intensity training where you have some kind of a mass to deliver higher amounts of oxygen to That's the right. body and yeah. and and 10 and a half minutes is all you need you breathe 900 liters of 95 percent o2 now, something I've always wondered, what if you were to use, let's say you didn't have the money or you don't have access to the oxygen delivery system mask mm-hmm. that you wear. What if you just, during the easy periods, were to wear something like a training mask, you know, or like resist the oxygen intake or even breathe through a straw? Do you yes. think you could still get some effects by then during the hard efforts, just like opening your mouth and taking the training mask off and breathing I absolutely as much oxygen do. as I mean, you can? If you look at the you know cyclical breathing methods of Wim Hof, you look at exercise with oxygen therapy, a lot of these have the same foundational concept, which is one, create a demand, and then two, answer that demand. And, and what I mean by that is we know that we can't just eat a bunch of calcium and have strong bones, right? You have to load a bone. Yeah. And then have calcium there to help build it. Yeah. Right. Um, we know that you can't just eat a bunch of protein and build big muscles. Right. You have to right. tear a muscle and then you have to have the protein available to repair it. Right. The same thing is true with oxygen. You just can't sit and hyperventilate um, and, and flood the body with oxygen. What you have to do is create an oxygen demand. So the idea behind Ewan is is exercise is putting an oxygen demand on the body. Yeah. And then when it's same as a breath hold. In a, in, a, in a Wim Hof method, for example, exhale, breath, hold. Why, is, why are we exhaling and holding our breath? Well, you're resetting carbohydrate rece- or uh, carbon dioxide receptors. Yeah. So you're actually driving the level of that gas up. Now when you breathe in, the tissues yeah. just, they take it up. So right? it might not be perfect, but you could, you could basically, the way you want to think about it is this. During an exercise t- session, try to deprive yourself of oxygen then throw in a few high intensity intervals where you're just opening up the portals and flooding yourself with oxygen. And yes. you're at least, even if you don't have the fancy equipment, kind of like going outside barefoot gives you a taste of the mm-hmm. PMF. Doing that will give you a taste of the EWAT. Can hold your breath and do push ups yeah. to exhaustion. That's a great idea. And breath work. Then yeah. hold your breath and do push ups to exhaustion yeah. to failure. Okay. Um, and then, you know, breath work okay. again. Got it. Similar now, concept. the last part of this superhuman protocol, and I, I want to be sure we touch on this, is the light. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, people have seen me stand in front of these juve light panels. I told you about the thing I wear around my neck. You have some interesting light things. You got like this sauna that massages and does light, and you have this whole bed. Tell me about your light stuff. So the light stuff is, uh, you know, I I tested a lot of light beds. I did um like meter testing we did uh nitric oxide mitochondrial nitric oxide testing to actually see if that light was actually kicking the gas out of the mitochondria which you can pick up in the blood because you know if the gas is leaving that oxygen's docking and so we use the um uh 10x our, our company we actually 
um, acquired a stake in, in a distributor named Da Vinci Medical. Um, we acquired a 50% Da Vinci Medical. Da Vinci. Okay. Um, like the Da Vinci Code, Da Vinci yeah. Medical. And um, we source a Theralight 360 light bed, the, one of the most powerful light bed on the market right now. It's about 125 milliwatts of irradiance, more powerful than anything else you can get on the market. Um, it's got 45,000 light diodes. It has a top and a bottom. Um, they actually change the light intensity to make up for the arc in the, in the bed. And you lay in this thing for 20 minutes. And just like you experienced today, I mean, there's nothing like it. Um, in, in, I can feel the nitric oxide like coming out my fingertips. Yes. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. That and, thing's powerful. And when it, when it's blowing nitric oxide out like that, it, that means oxygen is taking its place. Yeah. And when you just do EWAT and then you lay in that red light bed, it's like plugging yourself and into a light blue socket. Before too, so I know. Sure that's, that's why I feel so. I can barely bit. sit still right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then what about the one that has the, the, is like a sauna. Like I climbed inside it almost like, it almost looked like one of those hyperthermic units they use in cancer treatment centers. Yeah. But it's like a pod and you climb inside, you crawl inside. Oh, that thing's like being in your mother's womb. It's, it, I love that thing. It, you uh um it's called the hyper t sauna and essentially hyper t hyper t okay right and it's also um by da vinci 10 10x we have a, a version of this and it's a pod that you get in and you open it and you close it there's three things i like about it number one um it's infrared near infrared sauna um it has a massage unit so it's actually vibrating um and it has heat not yeah. So it's not just the infrared, near infrared, but it also actually has um, heat vents that will heat you up while your head stays cool. You know, I, I see a lot on you know Instagram and circulating around in social media these guys that um, get in thirty-seven degree water for prolonged periods of time. They go under. They breathe through a straw. They breathe through a snorkel um and sometimes they'll stay underwater for 10, 12 minutes, sixteen minutes at thirty-seven degrees. I'm not a big fan of cooling the brain off like that or heating the brain up too hot right i mean when you're in a in a hot sauna 180 200 degrees and you're in there for really prolonged periods of time that's not necessarily the best thing for your brain right and well obviously the hypoxia induced by long-term cold for the brain could reduce oxygen delivery to the brain if overdone yeah and then if we know that hyperthermia as used in oncology is cytotoxic to cells Theoretically, the fragility of the cells and neural tissue could respond in an unfavorable manner. In a very to like unfavorable high amounts way. of heat in yeah. that environment. No so, doubt. So the head is sticking out. That stays cool, but the body's in there just getting blasted with light. Yeah, your body's getting blasted. Your head stays cool. So now you get your sweat on, and then I go right from that into the cold plunge. Yeah, which and we did today. Which we yeah. did today. Yeah. yeah. We actually got in there together. Yeah. Good um, job, man. <laughs> and we'll have videos of this all up for you guys. I know you probably have tons of questions for gary i know i know we're starting to run up against time here uh but i'm going to put all the show notes and the video and everything at bengreenfieldlife.com slash breca and gary just to keep people a little bit intrigued here because i'm intrigued mm -hmm. uh the, so from here we're going on to do your your you have a special like uh ozone treatment or something like that that yes. you do okay yeah, we're going to do um ozone iv therapy after ozone this ozone iv got one of our nurses coming over great for energy great for energy yeah. we're going to do about 65 gamma two passes okay um and then we're also going to do some l-carnitine um l-carnosine okay uh, l-carnosine uh, via iv and uh the combination of those two is just 
amazing. So that's our that's our next bio. What's the carnosine for? Um, so it's um, carnosine is actually used in for a lot of different uh, it, it um, delayed on, you know onset um, muscle soreness. You know DOMS. I mean, it actually significantly. Uh, reduces DOMS. It's also an, an amino acid that's excellent when you're doing other modalities like um, Myers cocktails and other vitamins. I mean, it's a readily available amino acid. It improves athletic performance. Um, I actually just like to run carnosine on its own um, before I do ozone. Yeah, um, you feel absolutely amazing. And and ozone therapy is, um, you know, there's nothing novel about ozone therapy, but that third oxygen molecule is really like a missile for inflammation and free radical oxidation. That's why you feel so good after ozone. I mean, some of the um, clinical studies where they used it in COVID treatments and for viral pathogens yeah. um, are, are really astounding. I mean, wow. um, efficacy above 90%. Wow. Um, so we're going to do some ozone, some carnosine. And then you lift weights. And then we're going to lift weights. Um, ben, you want to just go through a couple of questions? Yeah, let's do a few okay. rapid no, fire. Fin- a few, finish few, knocking few, that out. A few quick ones. Yeah, let's do yeah. Um, how to cure long COVID. All right. Um, so I'll take a stab at it. You take a stab at okay. it. Um, you know, we found right. that. Let's, let's, you, want, you want to do like, let's give a, give ourselves like three questions and we got like a minute each for each one. All right. All right, here we go. All right. All how right. to cure long COVID. Go. All right. How to cure long COVID. Jeez, I'm not a doctor. I don't even wear the, I'm a, trust me, I'm a doctor t-shirt, but some of the main modalities that I've seen that a lot of docs are using that seem to work well for COVID, um, I've seen a lot of guys using the combination of infrared light and methylene blue, which I mentioned earlier. Peptides, particularly those that target the immune system, like uh, thymosin alpha-1, mm-hmm. thymosin beta, Thymulin, those seem yep. to be really, really good for long haul. And then um, anything, and this this would be more from like an Ayurvedic or a traditional medicine standpoint, anything that would be considered a blood tonic type of compound. Um, one example of that would be like yarrow extract. Um, there's a great guy named Dr. John Duyard out of Boulder, Colorado, who's doing a lot in the Ayurvedic space okay. for COVID. But, you know, I personally, since I'm not a doctor, I don't work with a lot of long haul COVID. Mm-hmm. Do you? Um, I'm not a doctor either. Um, yeah, that's true. You're not a doctor. Clinical team. No, I'm yeah. a human biologist. Yeah. Um, let's make that clear. This is not medical advice. Uh, but the, um, you know, very often what's, what's overlooked in long COVID is we call it long COVID because you have COVID like symptoms for a prolonged period of time. And very often we've seen that these are actually secondary viral infections. There's an explosion of Epstein-Barr and cytomegalovirus um, and other viruses on the back of COVID. And, you know, remember that um, only 60% of your DNA is human DNA. 40% of all of your DNA is viral. And our body silences viruses every day. And when the immune system gets run down, a la COVID, um, some of these viruses raise their ugly head. The very, very common one that we see, which will last eight to 10 to 12 weeks is Epstein-Barr virus on the back of getting COVID. You didn't really catch Epstein-Barr. You've always had it. It's kind of a dormant monovirus. And so your immune system gets run down. You get this secondary viral infection and you think it's a continuation of COVID. You keep testing negative for COVID, but you actually have another virus called Epstein-Barr. And there's a great eight-week protocol for Epstein-Barr virus. So I would actually get checked yeah. for EBV. Yeah, ozone can be really good for that type of stuff. Too. Um, so what do you recommend? Uh, how do I get alkaline? And can you explain the benefit, please? Um, and... Uh, kind of just talked about that. Yeah, we so you just talked about that. Magnetism, oxygen, and light, PEMF, is one of the best ways, in my opinion, to get alkaline. Um, if you 
uh, would prefer not to spend the five grand on a PMF mat. Get your shoes off and contact the surface of the earth. Should full of uh, gas. Top five health tips to do every day for people on a budget. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. All right. Top um, five health tips for people like to do every day on a budget. I would say number one, eat organ meats. They're not as expensive as you think. As a matter of fact, a lot of people sell them cheap because they want to get rid of them. Get cold every day. Cold showers are not expensive last time I checked. Get hot every day. You don't have to have a sauna. You can literally layer and go outside or go in the gym, but open up the portals of sweat. Uh, number four would be 10,000 steps a day. However you want to do it. Take your calls while you're outside. Take the stairs. Walk. Whatever. But 10,000 steps a day. And then the last one I, w- I think would be... Um, and then this is more relationship-based, but we know relationships are so related to longevity. Make one people or one, one person every day feel really good. Go out of your way to make somebody feel really, really seen and heard at least once a day. Wow, those are good ideas. I would add breath work and first light to that. Um, they don't add a penny to your budget. And breath work is free. First light is free. Walking on the surface of the earth is free. In fact, walking is probably the most underrated form of exercise on the planet. Yeah. Um, just walking. I mean, you want to lose weight, just walk for 35 or 45 minutes in a fasted state um, in the mornings, uh, low heart rate cardio. Um, breath work, there's lots of great breath work available out there on, on the internet. Wim Hof is my favorite. He has an eight-minute breath work routine, three rounds, 30 breaths, yeah. breath hold in between with an exacerbated deep breath in. Um, that alone will change your life. And if you can do it at first light, I promise you it will become your drug of choice. Yeah. Um, uh, the, I love to share. Uh, I love when you share what's in your kitchen. Um, <laughs> how do you use nutrition to improve mood, depression, and anxiety? I'll just hit that real quick in a minute. Okay. First of all, you know, we, we define depression in this country as an inadequate supply of serotonin. Um, that's one of the definitions of depression, which is why I'm not a big believer in SSRIs because they ration what little serotonin you have. So by definition, they're not raising it. So by definition, they're not ending depression. Um, fixing methylation is the best way to provide adequate levels of neurotransmitters to then provide adequate boost to mood and emotional state. If you were to ask me, what is a mood? What is an emotional state? It's nothing more than a collection of neurotransmitters bound to oxygen. There are some moods that where oxygen is in part of the molecular structure of that mood. Let me say that again. There are some moods and emotional states where oxygen is a part of the molecular structure of that mood. The reason why no human being has ever woken up laughing is because you don't have the oxidative state to experience laughter. The reason why you can wake up from a deep delta wave sleep angry is because the emotion of anger does not require oxygen. If you want to do a little experiment tonight, pinch your spouse while they're dead asleep. We thought about that. We're going to wake up angry. Yeah. Low Emotional tears do not require oxygen. That's why they're readily available emotions. Elevated emotional tears do require oxygen. In fact, the difference between anger and passion, the emotion of anger and the emotion of passion is one neurotransmitter in the presence of oxygen. Wow. Cool. All right. I'll I'll throw in there for depression. I'm going to give you five more Uh, because I've never seen anybody do these things and be in a bad mood afterwards, at least not significantly. You gotta say cold water. (laughs) (laughs) Music, dancing, singing, sunlight, and cold. Yes. That's it. Music, singing, dancing, sunlight, and cold. Try that out and tell me you don't feel. Yeah, I've heard here. if you want to cure Fix somebody's depression deficiency, push them in cold water. Yeah, 
Um, yeah. And then what are your thoughts on seed oils? That's the last question. Um, they're terrible for you. If you actually saw how canola oil is processed, it, it's mind-numbing. You know, you take yeah. a gummy substance, you you, you degum it with um, something called hexane, which is a known neurotoxin. It's an industrial cleanser. Um, they heat these oils to over 450 degrees, which makes them rancid. And then to cure the smell, they deodorize them to make them clear. They actually bleach them. Um, they use sodium hydroxides, hexanes, and the majority majority of seed oils are actually genetically modified because the they have to make the seed resistance to glyphosate resistance resistant to glyphosate um these are just awful get them yeah, out of your cabinet i agree the, o- the only seed oils i've seen that might not be so bad for you are cold expeller press yeah that would be like andreas andreas wecker he has a company called andreas seed oils he's got one like pumpkin hemp black seed oil some of those i think are okay they're yes. being shipped in miron glass jars resistant to oxidation but for the most part if you ruthlessly mitigate seed and vegetable oils you're going to feel better yes so, yeah no question yeah that's just science Sweet. this guy practices what he preaches folks that, that's why i like gary and I'm, I'm just now getting to know him but he's the real deal and uh, if you aren't following what he does i'll link to his 10x health systems his website, his Instagram, as well as uh, the video that accompanies this show because we had a video crew following us around, a couple of fantastic guys who, who filmed some of these modalities that we're doing. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. So his name is Gary Brecca with 10X Health Systems. Keep your eye on this guy because he's doing some really cool things, and I, I really, really love his whole approach to the superhuman protocol. Try at least that. If you take nothing away from this podcast, try PEMF or Earthian Grounding. Follow that up with oxygen. Follow that up with light and tell me you don't feel fantastic. All the show notes are going to be at bengreenfieldlife.com slash B-R-E-C-K-A, bengreenfieldlife.com slash Brecca. Gary, thanks for coming on the show, man. That's amazing. Thank you for having me. A hotel surrounded by nature, vineyards, and gardens. This forest classified as a historical garden in a very special country. At a hotel located in the oldest demarcated wine region in the world. Imagine this place has a state-of-the-art spa, 2,200 square meters, 10 treatment rooms, an indoor pool with underwater sound and chromotherapy. Imagine a kitchen team that brings to the table not just delicious food at this place, but values environmental sustainability and wellness and local sensitivity and global sensibility. Imagine being able to be bathed in luxury and being able to be local, to buy local, and to eat local, not caged off as some fancy tourist, but as a part of the community and a part of the terroir of the region. Well, that's exactly what you experience in Portugal at their Sixth Senses Luxury Retreat. And I'm going to be there for a special event that you can read up on at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Sixth Senses. It's called the Boundless Retreat. And at bengreenfieldlife.com slash Sixth Senses, you can see everything we're doing. Every day starts with a healthy farmhouse breakfast, morning movement session with me. You get access to three different 60-minute spa treatments that you can choose from throughout the day, indoor pool and vitality suites meditation, sound healing, an alchemy bar with kokodama and yogurts and pickles and sprouts workshops, retreat meals all made from locally sourced organic produce, Q&As and sing-along sessions with me. This is going to be an amazing, remarkable, once-in-a-lifetime experience. You get four nights full board accommodation in a deluxe room there at the facility. And this thing, as you can imagine, is going to fill up fast. It's in Portugal at the Six Senses Retreat in Portugal. Again, 
All the details are at bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses. And the dates are February 27th through March 3rd, 2023. February 27th through March 3rd, 2023. I hope to see you there. More than ever these days, people like you and me need a fresh, entertaining, well-informed, and often outside-the-box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave. So I hope I've been able to do that for you on this episode today. And if you liked it, or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be, and just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot. 